0: ESPN 1420, 1420 ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, and as promised, joining me now, one of my favorite guests from the Hudak Confessional Podcast, a professionally trained scout uh, covering football and a whole lot of New Orleans Saints football on the Hudak Confessional Podcast, other places as well. Deuce, man, first off, thanks for taking the time this morning, and secondly, Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, of course, Scott, we we're getting closer to Christmas, but you know, uh that has a two-way advantage. I mean, not only are you going to get presents, you get a Saints game. So, uh well, we got to talk
0: about it. They better they better win. You know, I I did a a story on our website yesterday about a Saints fans Christmas wish list and it had about eight things on it. Now, some of them are realistic and some of them, you know, just don't exist like a reverse mm-hmm. age machine for Drew Brees or you know, a magic potion, like an elixir potion that they have in video games because you would drop off a whole batch of it to 5,800 airline drive. But others on the wish list, I think, you know, are possible, like Falcons humiliation or a win against the Vikings Friday or even possibly another Super Bowl, though they got a lot of work to do if they want to do that this year, do. So if, if it can be anything, and and reality is is not going to get in the way of it what's one christmas present you would want to give the new orleans saints
1: the reality can't get in the way of ooh uh i mean one realistic one which isn't going to happen would be to have michael thomas back on the field i mean the, the biggest takeaway from this past game was it took drew about two drives to get going you know and watching it live i was like man dude was rusty the whole first half but and when you actually get into the tape, yeah, he wasn't rusty at all. It was just the people he had couldn't play football very well. And realistically, i love that Thomas back. So I guess other than that, it would be Traquan Smith's injury to be very minor for him to be able to play Friday after resting. Because everybody, everybody who's familiar with this team as possible uh, so that we can avoid what happened this past week.
0: I'll say this, Sean Payton hearing some of his – press conference a zoom conference with the media yesterday uh as my friend luke johnson put it a a spicy sean payton but it's it's super bowl or bust and and while they're looking to win friday Mm -hmm. and and win the division the fact that they're putting michael on ir or did put him on ir and and really want to i don't think they're rushing anybody back that they don't have to they realize Mm -hmm. look the one seed it's probably not going to happen at this point this is just about getting everybody healthy and i I'm with you. I mean, you, you watch that game and come away. I mean, to not have four of your five top receivers on the depth chart, as good as Breeze is, and I've heard the argument, well, he's made other guys that aren't that great look good. I don't care. I mean, he, he, he's coming off a long layoff, and his timing's going to be off to begin with. But then it's with respect, or I should say, no disrespect. You know, Jawan Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, that's just, that's just not going to cut it, Deuce.
1: No, it's not, and, you know, it didn't in this game. I mean, we had – I actually was having some good chats with fans yesterday, and, you know, for example, the Saints went one of 11 on, you know, third downs, and just in those one of 11s are three drops. And obviously that still only takes you to four of 11, so there's other things that happen, but, you know, if the ball gets into your chest, you expect to catch it, but guys like little Jordan Humphrey and and basic little speed-outs to Juwan Johnson that are normal catches for Michael Thomas and Trey Kwan smith weren't for, you know, uh, Drew Brees and company, and that was frustrating, and you saw him be frustrated on the field, and then you even had veterans like Jared Cook who were running the wrong routes at, you know against certain coverages, and Drew's throwing balls into spaces that are completely empty, so there, there's definitely some things that need to be worked on in terms of communication and as a whole for the team, but The the main thing is getting those big names back. That's what you're going to have to have if you're having success in the playoffs, and that includes Marcus Williams. You know, uh, as uh, you you saw him go down yesterday, that includes Michael Thomas. And, you know, uh, Drew's back. I'll be honest, Drew's arm in the game, especially in the second half, looked better than it has all season. He was making throws that he has not even attempted this year. And if that's the type of Drew we have, then you have a legitimate chance of winning. And I think all in all, for you to have only lost by three against – in my opinion, would, would be the contender in the AFC for the Super Bowl. I think even though it's a loss, you you don't hang your head on it. You be pretty proud of that, and then you you move on from it and get a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I, I think Deuce Windham, our guest. I, I was saying on my show Monday, Deuce, the morning after. Like I, I was a lot more down on the Saints after the loss to Philly, even though I figured it was probably just a you know a, a snooze where they just didn't come to play there really wasn't very many positive takeaways. Whereas this game against Kansas City, as shorthanded as they were, I still don't understand how Kansas City only scored 32 when they had the ball for 98 plays, technically 92 if you take away the six defensive penalties. But um, – or if you add those, just the time of possession, Saints going 1-10 on third down. I'm like, how? how is this possible? Like, I don't – you know, the defense came to play. They obviously were gassed by the end of it. They were They were losing guys – I just I, I came away from that one saying, okay, it's pretty obvious. This team just needs to get key players healthy for a playoff run, and there's no guarantee they're going to win the NFC, obviously. I get that. But they will absolutely be in the mix because when they're healthy, they're one of the deepest teams in the league. And, and I think they showed that, you know what, if you play Kansas City again, you might not win, but you definitely could because if you have more bullets in the chamber and you got a Michael Thomas or a Deontay Harris or a Traquan Smith or a relatively healthy O-line, which to me, Deuce, as we shift gears, I want to ask you about the O-line. And I know, I know, look, I follow you. I listen to the podcast. I know you love O-line and D-line. You love covering the trenches. I've been, I've been saying this the last few weeks, and I still feel the same way. My biggest concern for this team in terms of getting to the Super Bowl or not my number one concern on the list is the offensive lines, the interior of the offensive line, a little bit. Some of that's health, some of that's play on the field. Is are you as concerned as I am, or do you feel like you know what they're going to get it together here?
1: I mean, I do think there is some concern for the offensive line because we just haven't seen that consistently. You know, we, we've seen the IOL struggle a little bit. You know, uh, in, in various games, particularly with. You know, Taysom back there, but to be fair, Taysom takes about a second longer to get the ball out than Drew, and, and you know, that's to be expected because it's Drew. So, But I, I think you look at this pass game, and I'm actually very impressed, if I'm just being honest. I mean, Cesar Ruiz had maybe his best pass-blocking game of the season. It feels like he's starting to fall for those, you know, veteran tricks less, trusting his technique more doing a little better, Anders Pete helped Stonewall and was the main catalyst for Stonewalling Jones, who, you know, if if fans aren't aware, is the second best defensive lineman in the NFL behind only Aaron Donald. So, being able to put up that performance, and then, you know, there's also guys like Alex Okafor and everything that they have, so they have a legitimate, you know, pass rush. Their weakness has always been their pass defense, and you might not believe that watching this past, you know, week's game, but... I was very surprised and you know happy with what we saw there. Now the the you know the flip side of that and the key is can you take that success and find the consistency with it? I think the interior offensive line is what wins or loses the entirety of the playoffs for this team. And you know, that could be a very scary thought, but at the same time from what we've seen them do here recently with Breeze, you should be confident. We just got to make sure that those guys are playing, and then you know, of course, and I don't know a lot of fans were, you know, kind of mouth agape and shocked that Andres Pete just made his third consecutive Pro Bowl. But you've got talent on that offensive line, and as long as they can play at a high level, especially here down the stretch, and they can be healthy, which they're right now, they're about the healthiest that offensive line has been most of the year. You know I mean, you can make a good run with that.
0: Deuce Wyndham, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com at Rev Deuce Windham on Twitter. So, if it's not the old line for you, what, what today, and obviously this answer could change a week or two from now, but what's your, what do you think is the biggest obstacle within the organization that could keep the Saints from reaching the Super Bowl? What's your biggest concern?
1: The wide receiver room, for, for sure. Um, it was you know, just so obvious that this team needed that guy you know, coming into yesterday and in the game and and when I say that guy, I'm not just talking about a, a superstar. I'm literally just talking about somebody who could get open. You know, uh, and I put this stat up on Twitter and it was a little bit disheartening, but you know, the league average for separation in terms of the space that you create between yourself and the defender is about two point eight yards. Not a single Saints receiver or tight end was above that mark. In fact, Jawan Johnson was averaging less than a yard of separation, and Jared Cook, who's your starter tight end, was at like 1.1 yards. You know, it was abysmal how they were playing in terms of getting separation and and playing, you know, in a way they gave the Saints a good chance of winning. They didn't give that chance at all. Drew was having to fit it into extremely tight windows, and you could see that analytically by the fact that he had the highest aggressive percentage he's had all season. 24% 24% of his throws were aggressive, and that means they're going into tight windows or being you know, deep shots. And We're not used to seeing Drew do that. Not that I don't like it. I love seeing Drew fit into a tight window, but only if the guy catches it, and that was a problem in this game.
0: Michael Thomas got to get him right. Look, obviously Sean Payton knows that too because, as he said, look, if this was a you got to win to get in or you desperately need it, he probably wouldn't be resting right now, but as long as he plays, that ankle's not going to get better. They're thinking big picture, and they're going to need Thomas for the playoffs, no doubt. Uh, ESPN 1420 and .com. Where, where are you at with, uh, with the defense as a whole? I, I'm still very high on them. Um, I, I, look, the Philly game aside, uh, I, I, they've got playmakers uh, in terms of the amount of rushing yards they've given up. Again, Philly game aside that was bad but they were they they wanted Kansas City to run the ball they were giving them the looks to do it and uh and the Chiefs did to their credit 41 times where the Saints sat back with those two safeties so long but but I I, I still I still am really high on this Saints defense and I'm I'm more concerned about some offensive things for this team come the postseason and not as concerned about the defense and that's something that you know, I didn't think I'd be saying about this team as long as Drew Brees was quarterback, but that's where we're at in 2020. But it's also a sign, and I think the realistic reason why they are a contender to to win it all this year.
1: The defense, in my opinion, had arguably their best game of the season yesterday. And it's that's crazy that. to talk about a team having their best game when they just gave up, you know, 30 points. But if you take it, you know, as a whole and look at everything that that game did and provided the Saints simply went out and managed to slow and stymie a Kansas City offense. You you point to it. They had, you know, over 90 plays. They had right at 100 if you count the penalties and everything that, you know, ended up getting things called back. Most defenses on a good day want to see 45 snaps. They saw two games worth of snaps and still held the Super Bowl champion and the best offense in the NFL to 32 points. And if you split that in half, well, two games worth, and they really only gave up about 16 points. They just were on the field two daggum long because the offense could never get going. And you look at how they managed to, you know, get consistent pressure on Mahomes, especially early in the game while they still were very fresh. And then you look at later in the game where Dennis Allen, in my opinion, had the best play-calling game uh, of the season and has having probably his best play-calling of the his entire career you saw them continue to make adjustments to what Andy Reid and Bianami enemy were trying to do. And you're talking about one of the best head coach OC duos when it comes to play calling in the NFL. So they went toe to toe with the giant and stood tall. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot to be taken from that if you're a saints fan and a lot of excitement that should be had for that. And you, know, you give up 32 points. All that's going to do is it's going to hurt you when it comes to your rankings and everything in the season. But and just going through the tape, they did such a good job. There were some bad penalties at the end that really hurt things. And, you know, but th- that was times of desperation. You know, DeMario Davis getting that face mask call just because he's trying to force a fumble because it's the only chance they have left. Overall, besides some of the penalty issues, I felt the defense played fantastic. My only concern is on oh, Marcus Williams is how bad was that injury and how quickly can he return? Because he has quietly been playing at a Pro Bowl level all season long. And while he didn't get that nod, He's been integral to the you know the Saints having a very strong pass defense, especially in the back end, and not allowing anything. So we need to see him get back. And if he can come back healthy, his defense is one of the best ones going into the playoffs. And I can tell you right now that anybody from Kansas City would agree with you, uh, whether it be their writers or the team themselves, who gave a lot of respect to how the Saints played.
0: Well, Deuce Windham, our guest, I want you to, I guess, expound a little bit more on Marcus Williams because – you know, the Pro Bowl, the game itself, it's not even happening this year, Deuce, but I always say I, I i don't care. Really, it comes down to who got the selections, and a lot of times it is a name game in recognition. Many felt like Demario Davis was a snub, Trey Hendrickson was a snub, Ramcheck was a snub. Some felt like maybe Pete didn't quite deserve it, and Lattimore, this wasn't his best year. Cam Jordan certainly has played like it the last five and a half, six weeks, but prior to that, not so much. I'm, I'm rambling here, but my point is you're the one that's saying, look, Marcus Williams deserves some consideration. You've watched the mm-hmm. tape. You've watched the film. What's, what's made him have, in your opinion, his best season so far as a pro?
1: Yeah, and just to give a quick shout-out, you know, if you look at who made it, you know, Buda Baker and Jamal Adams uh, for the Seahawks as well as Quandre Diggs. It is kind of curious to me that the team with the worst pass defense in the NFL has two safeties, that even though I do think Jamal Adams is really good. But the key is is you don't hear about Marcus Williams anymore. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it because most people who watch the games watch it through the broadcast. I mean, y'all are sitting there in the press box watching, you know, Uh, or you're not getting the all-22 and sitting down and going through it and seeing him, his coverage has improved greatly. His range has improved. His anticipation of throws has improved. And you even saw that yesterday with, you know, one, he had an interception. They got called back to a penalty. And then the second one, he dropped the interception, but dropped it because, you know, that injury that he caused himself, that non-contact, which you saw him drop one. His range has increased. His, you know, uh, angles are better and that's probably the best reason for everything increasing is he's no longer taking really bad angles to whether it's dropping into zone or attacking a defender. All the angles are good. His tackling is better. I mean, he's missing like 5% of his tackles this year. I mean, he's got the lowest missed tackle rate of all the starters on the team, you know, and that's not something we're used to associating with Marcus Williams. He's made Famous by a missed tackle, and people have associated him with missed tackles because he has had some bad tackling years. But he has just really had the switch flip, and honestly, it started last year. Last year, he had a good season. I wouldn't say it was this as good as this year, but it was good. But this year, it's just been phenomenal. And you know, I'm not sure if he ever gets the, you know, the rep in New Orleans if he ever leaves. I think he gets a Pro Bowl nod. I don't know if he ever gets it here, just because there's so many other stars, he kind of falls behind in that listing but he has played outstanding whether they're playing cover two quarters cover three match everything has gotten better this year and he's been consistent and that's another key for him where he has not always been consistent
0: well my next question uh, deuce windham our guest dspn 1420 is <laughs> i know the folks aren't ready to talk about the offseason and i'm not going to talk about it a ton but one thing i put on my um unrealistic Christmas wish list for the Saints was just uh, unlimited salary cap space. Now, I know we make jokes about Loomis math and his ability to do it, but if they can't work out, and I say they, if the league doesn't work out an extension with their TV partners this offseason, many are expecting the cap to go down higher, uh, more more than what they expected. Why? Because of COVID-19 and the year that's been 2020 and a Mm -hmm. loss of revenue in that regard. So, and if Breeze retires, you're looking at twenty plus mil in, in dead cap money. Um, it's just it's gonna be hard to 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 use Mickey math with everybody that's due and deserving of some money, whether it be Trey Hendrickson, Marcus Williams, or other guys coming up the pike. What's Marcus's future? Is it with the Saints or is is he playing well enough to price himself out of that?
1: I'll tell you personally, I would pay him before I paid of Latimar. I know everybody's going to go, well, Marshall Lattimore's fifth-year options already been picked up. And I'm not saying you get rid of Lattimore, but I will remind people that the the rookie fifth year actually isn't guaranteed except for injury until March. So technically, even though they've agreed to it, you're required by the CBA to agree and pick it up or not pick it up. They're not financially liable for him as of like right now today because he's healthy and playing, and they don't have to commit to that. It only have to if you know if he was injured right now, then that's going to carry through. Now, once again, not saying get rid of him, but if I had to pick the two, and I was so salary cap stressed about which one I had to go with, I would go with Marcus Williams. He is definitely more consistent, and uh, you know, as great as a talent as Lattimore can be, he consistently doesn't live up to that. He does on some games, you know. Uh, there are certain games that he does come out and plays phenomenal. But I would I think Mark Williams has surpassed him in terms of being the better player on the team. That said, Lattimore just made the Pro Bowl. So take that for where you will. And in my opinion, Lattimore's not even been the best corner on this team. You know, Horse Jenkins has been by far and away the best corner on the team. Lattimore's had some great games and he's obviously the big name, but as everybody always talks about, you know, it's a popularity contest to make it into the Pro Bowl.
0: That that's uh you know, I I like the take, uh Deuce. I just the thought, and you're right about Lattimore, right? There are games where it's like, What are you doing? It's like you, you they need to make up things before a game if he's not facing an elite receiver and just convince Marshawn that they said something really bad about his kid or something just to get him <laughs> motivated and fired up. Because, but I just, it wasn't that long ago. The BW Webb, Sterling Moores, and thinking of the Saints secondary, I mean, I, I to have a corner that. That can be a lockdown. Does he need to do it consistently? Absolutely. I just, oof, that's I mean, secondary. It depends run. on how you pay
1: him because yeah. the fifth year option sets up these players as you're at the top. You know, so you've got to play at that level. And if he wants an extension, which one of the things I think they do this off season is, you know, work on extensions and things to try to push. Some of that because you know both Ron Rancheck and him, I think, combined for twenty one and a half million between their fifth year options on the cap and with the cap uh, and all the doomsday articles being written is assuming that the salary cap is literally the lowest level it can possibly be by the cba I don't think that's going to happen because if that did happen, thirty teams would automatically be in cap hell, <laughs> so, I just don't see the league allowing. Or putting all the teams in a situation where they cannot change their players and then have to get rid of so many stars. Obviously, something's going to have to get worked out. What that looks like, I don't know. But it's not going to go from 276 million down to 175, and that's it. And that's how the Saints are in the you know the negative 100 right now. And yeah, they're in the worst spot of everybody in the league. But you know, if the cap was to stay the same, they're in the same type of position that they always are. In, you know, that they're they're riding close to the border. But, you know, they always find a way to overcome and sign, you know, a few guys and still get their rookies in. And I think the same thing applies here, where there's still plenty of moves they can make. You know, you look at Quan Alexander, who's an immediate cut guy, and you could do a cut, resign, or you can just do a straight on extension because none of his cap hit is guaranteed. That's a really easy clearing, and that's $13.5 million off the books. But... Uh, you got Janoris Jenkins that you can do another extend. You got Cameron Jordan who you just done an extension with. You got re- so you can do a restructure with him. You can restructure Toronto Armstead. You know all kinds of things that you could look at getting them into cap positive and still not dismantling this team. So it's not as doomsday as it's made out to be. Now it would kind of you know depending on what that cap is, they may not be able to add many great pieces. But you know. Uh, the main goal, as we talked about earlier, this is getting the Super Bowl this year, and this team was built to do the Super Bowl this year. That's why you trade for Quan, knowing that you might even lose him in the offseason, because you're trying to get the Super Bowl this year.
0: Deuce Windham, our guest. Uh, if you don't follow Deuce, do it at Rev Deuce Windham. Uh, check out his stuff over at the Hudak Confessional Podcast and uh, everything else he puts out there. Uh, he is a trained scout. This is my my last next season question for you, Deuce, and I want to ask you a few things about the, the game on Christmas Day and we'll let you run. Is the, And this is something that you guys have covered on your podcast, so I, I I know your thoughts on it, but um, some of my listeners might not. Is the future quarterback of the Saints currently in the building in your mind?
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's Sean Payton believes it. And the fun fact uh, is going to get us right back into the who is it the beta you know is it winston is it hill you know i think that either one of them have the traits to be a starter quarterback in the league you know i actually just released my scouting report on Taysom hill uh look at several hundred of his snaps look at these four starts and then looked at everything he's done in preseason and during the season before this you know the traits to be a starter are there you know the question is how long does it take him to develop those traits into being something that is a quality starter? I mean, because if he came in right now, he's at the bottom of the league in, in, in terms of if he had to rank the starters, he's towards the bottom. But I still think he could be a quality starter. Jameis Winston's in that same conversation, though, and Sean Payton says as much. I mean, uh, Sean Payton has said that the minute, and this is a direct quote, the minute that Drew Brees leaves, Jameis Winston has an opportunity to be the starter for this team. That's what John Payton said. You know, and uh, he, he added right after that that him and Taysom Hill know that. So there's going to be a competition. And if, you know, in the offseason Winston chooses to stay for this team, he has an instant shot to be the starter. And that's got to be very tempting if you're, you know, a quarterback with this team. You know, you know, you got Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael in terms of the offensive playmines, but then you have Camara and Michael Thomas and Adam Troutman, who I think is a great up-and-coming tight end. So, lots of reasons to want to stick around. I think they've got two guys, and I would still draft somebody, just because you can never attack that position too much, because, you know, the truth is, we both know you can't replace Drew Brees. You can't replace a Hall of Famer like that. The odds are extremely low. But, you can hopefully find some guy that you can work in, and even if he becomes a bridge till you find the next great quarterback, you just need to find somebody that you can be successful with. You see that you can you can win three, you know, out of four games with Taysom Hill with this team. You could probably do the same thing with uh, Jameis Winston. Now it comes down to who do you think could be better long term, and that's going to be a very interesting outlook and a very interesting uh, study for everybody come
0: next year. Deuce Windham, our guest, great stuff. ESPN1420and.com. com. All right, well, this this matchup coming up on Christmas Day against the Vikings, uh, Minnesota, kind of played their way out of a hole, got back to five hundred. We're in position to make a run for the wild card, but now losers are too straight. That's that ship has sailed. Uh, but historically, you know, this this franchise has been a thorn in the side of the Saints franchise mm-hmm. so much, not just postseason, regular season as well. And I know. Saints fans, you know, with four losses, I think to Minnesota all time in the postseason, they w- they wouldn't trade any of those for the one win because obviously, you know, Porter picks it off and 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 pigs have flown and the Saints won the Super Bowl that year. But the reality is, yeah. the Vikings have just—I mean, anybody that's a lifer in terms of following the Saints, you just you don't you don't like them because they've caused you a lot of pain and. You got to play them on Christmas. I mean, does anyone want to lose does the, you want the Saints to lose on you know like hole in your stocking where where is your where's your level of concern for this game, and do you feel like the Saints come out of this with a victory? How do you think it shakes out on Friday? What are the keys Deuce
1: I think because it's an NFC opponent and technically you haven't secured the division. it's a playoff style game you know and it's a game against. A team that not necessarily has had your number. It's not like every time you play the Vikings they win, but there's so many bad memories of the Vikings. Like even for me, you know, I was there when Dante Culpepper fumbles it at the freaking one yard line. Oh, I was there, there too, dude. Take to it up and run in.
0: I was so, there too. I was very frustrated that day.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter when it is. I mean, it could be the first playoff loss where, you know, the Saints are excited, they're favorites to go in, and then they get blown out like 400 to three. You know, (laughs) the Vikings just seem to give you painful memories. So there's a little bit of that bad taste in your mouth when it comes to them. And, you know, the team has a little bit of that as well, even though that they're, you know, Peyton and Zimmer are great friends, which I can respect, but still it comes down to you've got to win this game because Atlanta just blew another lead, which gave Tampa a win. And Tampa technically still can win the division. The odds of that are extremely low, but they can technically still win the division. You've got to win right now if you're the Saints. Secure the division, and you want to get the best possible seeds you can. Whether that be the third or the second, you know you don't want to drop down to the fourth if you can avoid it. So they've got to win this game. They got to come out prepared. And you know you look at Dalvin Cook and you look at Thielen and Justin Jefferson a lot of talent on that offense it's not the kansas city chiefs because they got kirk cousins but this defense has to play at the same level that they just did so that they can not end up getting beat again by you know the vikings who seem to
0: have a pinch for that yeah well the nfc's has that four seed locked up but like you said, you don't win the division, you'd slip to five. Six. I, meant, I, meant I I meant this. I know I know what you meant because yeah. like you said, it's not the NFC East, but it is Kirk Cousins. I do have bad memories of Drew on his rear end constantly in that playoff game last year. And um and it's just you know, Christmas Day, look, it's a short week. You're the home team, you're the better team. You're supposed to win, right? win yeah. and then get, you know, a nice long weekend, get ready for the last game of the season and get everyone healthy for the playoffs. That's the goal right now. And if you can get up to the two, I know there's that weird outside chance of the one, if they went out, Seattle wins out and Green Bay loses to Chicago, who could have something to play for in week 17, because they could possibly play their way into the playoffs though. Uh, I wouldn't bet on any of that. Just think more about the playoffs and what you need to win there, as opposed to the one seed, um, that kind of you know that 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 week three loss to Green Bay kind of sealed the fate there. But Deuce Windham has been our guest, guys. If uh, if you're not following him, go give him a follow on Twitter at Rev Deuce Subscribe to the Hootad Confessional podcast. Uh, he and Eli and Ross and the job that they do and the job that Deuce does with the film, breaking it down from a scout standpoint. My final question to you, Deuce. We appreciate the time. Merry Christmas. You br- you brought up uh, you brought up Marcus Williams earlier and how when you're looking at the All-22 and you're looking at film, it's really impressive. Is there another guy on the team that you feel like maybe just doesn't get enough uh, love from the fans or enough credit for what they do on the football field, but when you pull up the tape and you're putting mm-hmm. on your scout hat, you just see it week to week?
1: Um, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a player that doesn't get recognition because he is you know, liked by a lot of the fans. But when it comes to this season and how he's playing, David Onyemata has been playing out of his mind. And Sheldon Rankins has come back. Sheldon Rankins had a good game yesterday, and I think there's a dynamic you know, duo there, which you don't see a lot of dynamic three-tech duos. It's pretty rare. But you know, Onyemata, if you look at what he's just doing this year, which is six sacks, by the way, those are numbers for a defensive tackle. That's in the upper echelon of elite. I mean, when you get to six tackles – or six uh, sacks that is for a three tech. Now you're in the same category of the Geno Atkins, the Fletcher Cox, the you know Chris Jones, and even Aaron Donalds. Obviously, Aaron Donalds at the super top of that list. But you know what he's doing is playing at an extremely high level, and the biggest key for him is consistency. He's playing at that level consistently right now, and he's playing at a high level every single game. He's not really having that stretch where, you know, even just a couple years ago where, you know, he had that 3 sack game and then came back and was kind of blanked the next few weeks. He's not having that. He's having a consistent, whether it's the run or the pass, he's very, very strong. His his actual technique, especially footwork and handwork, has improved a great deal. and You're seeing that, you know, show up on the tape. Uh, He's still not necessarily as quick in how he wins, like how a Sheldon Rankins does, but just overall brute force and power, but understanding how to use that power. If there there was a dark course for defensive line to make the pro ball, he would have been one of my votes. You know, uh, there's a couple of guys that made the list I I would necessarily wouldn't have voted for, but David Onyemata has quietly had a fantastic season and, you know, really just deserves a little bit more love. I know that he's not somebody that fans pick on or anything, but he's had a
0: fantastic year on tape. What does Cam Jordan call him? Just the beast, I think, just very succinctly. Um, yeah, man, he is uh, it's crazy. He's only been playing organized football for... Uh, less time than than you know i've been i don't know what five six years i know he's a little bit into his career now but what a uh, what a pickup that was uh you know it was felt like a project but now you feel like with the salary he's getting you feel like you're getting more bang for your buck and he's been oh, very he's productive a steal for year. the salary no
1: absolute doubt. steal
0: Deuce Wyndham has been our guest. Merry Christmas. Thank you for the time, Deuce. Uh, enjoy it. And um, I don't know, man, if the Saints make a deep run into the playoffs, maybe we could chat with you then. But if not, maybe before the draft or something. But thanks so much for the time. I'll be listening to you guys on, on the Houdat Professional Podcast, and happy holidays. You as well.